At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. A warmer from the low. Welcome to Lobby Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops Spears, and now part of the Beast and Family of Podcasts. And we've got a tremendous podcast for you. We've got another conference preview podcast today. We're looking at the WCC, the West Coast Conference. So we stay out in my neck of the woods out here on the West Coast. And joining me in the second segment, to break down all these rosters, we've got one of our good friends, Connor Hope. He does a great job over there at Heat Check CBB. He's also going to be a contributor for the College Basketball Almanac that's going to be coming out. That is going to be 600,000 words previewing the upcoming season. I know that he's looking a lot at mid-majors that are out here on the West Coast for that. He's also a Gonzaga graduate. So we're going to be running through all these rosters, getting his thoughts on some of the player movement that we wind up seeing this offseason. So Connor's going to be able to Paul that up for us in the final segment. I'm going to give you guys my projector or finish for the West Coast Conference. This one is pretty much like the free space in picking who's going to be number one because if you've got someone other than Gonzaga, that is going to be quite shocking. But that said, we're going to be taking a look at who's going to be th- two through ten with regards to the conference as well. And then here in the first segment, we're going to be taking a look at styles of play and betting trends from the conference. And if you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we will fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters ZM. Maybe does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline, and the other way, it is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Since we're doing back-to-back days of conference previews, we're going to be polishing up the last 72 hours of college basketball news and notes on the podcast tomorrow. Since I've got the Greg Peterson experience, have no fear, there is not going to be three straight conference previews in three straight days. I'm sure that there would not be a lot of people that would be complaining, but it is going to be a case in which we're going to be polishing up pretty much what we wind up seeing over the weekend on the podcast tomorrow. But now that the formalities are done, let's get down to it. Let's take a look at the West Coast Conference, who wind up housing the worst team against the spread in all of college basketball. We'll notice this as well. We'll get this out of the way first. Bookmakers have been able to do a good job of being a this Gonzaga team. They were 15-15-2 against the spread last season. There have been a few seasons in which they've been slightly profitable. There have been a few seasons in which they've not been profitable. I'll talk about the way to be able to extract money from them in a minute, but that's it. Pacific went 422-2 against the spread last season. That's the worst mark I have ever seen for an against the spread team. Now, I've been doing this really since I wound up moving out to Las Vegas in 2017, but I've went through the database and 
of teams to play at least 10 games. Because you used to have a case in which, like, the Patriot League would get, like, three games up on the board. Same for, like, the Southland. So we're throwing out a team that won, like, 0-3, 0-4 against the spread. You need at least a 10-game sample size. But of any team that played at least 10 games against the spread in a season, Pacific is the worst I've ever seen. I mean, this was just cataclysmic. Now, many of you may know that Damon Sotomayor wound up leaving very much late in the offseason to wind up taking a job as he wound up going to the Boston Celtics, but boy, that was a complete and utter dump trucking, and if you take a look at Pacific over the last two seasons, because they would just wind up having such a massive outlier, they're also the least profitable team in college basketball since the 2020 season. I mean, there was nobody even close to Pacific in terms of their lack of profitability last season. It was just a calamity, so... You got that going on, and I did mention that there is a way to be able to extract a little bit of value from Gonzaga, and that way is take a look at their overs since the 2019-20 season. So this is a three-year sample size. Gonzaga has been one of the best teams in the overall of college basketball, and honestly, your best over teams in all of college basketball have not necessarily been teams that have been more out there in the wilderness, smaller teams. A lot of big schools out there in the SEC do wind up cracking the top 25 in terms of overrate as South Carolina, Georgia, Vanderbilt, they're all in there along with Alabama, who we all know. New Orleans is actually the top team in terms of overs over the last three seasons, playing 65% of their games to the over. But Gonzaga, last three seasons, 57 overs to 40 under. So 58.8% of Gonzaga games over the last three seasons have one over at Pacific. Because they play no defense whatsoever, 44 overs, 30 unders, and two pushes in that time span. They have been one of your best teams to the over in all of college basketball. And then you've also got Oregon State, Duke, who have been very profitable in terms of overs. And Oregon actually has played 65% of their games to the over since the beginning of the 2019 season as well. But if you take a look at just last year and last year alone, because as we know, the WCC, it is full of a wide variety of styles. Gonzaga, year in and year out, they're going to be in the top 25 with regards to possessions per game. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. They were in the top five last season in terms of two-point shooting percentage, in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis. They were able to do a tremendous job there. And what a lot of people forget about Gonzaga is that because they do play so fast, they're actually typically in the top 20. In terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, last year was a little bit of an outlier for Gonzaga. They wound up playing 18 unders and 14 overs. Their numbers wound up getting skewed because they wound up having those first three games at conference in which they wound up putting up like north of 105 in every one of them. So bookmakers had to wind up just putting those totals up. But Santa Clara was actually your best team in terms of the over in the WCC. Now, they do wind up losing quite a few pieces from last year, but 21 overs to 12 unders. This team was a machine when it came to the over. And you had four teams that wound up having between 51.5 and 51.7% of their games go over the total. San Francisco, BYU, St. Mary's, 17 overs and 16 unders. A little bit uncharacteristic for St. Mary's. They were relatively solid on offense. San Diego, which this is going to be a new look team, 15 overs to 14 unders, Loyola Marymount. They wound up playing quite a few overs as well. For the longest time, they were a little bit more low and slow now that we've seen a little bit of a coaching regime change for them over the last few seasons. They've been scoring a little bit more. They also not necessarily been playing a lot of defense either, and your best team to the under was Pepperdine. They played fast, but they were just so inefficient with having a freshman backcourt. They wound up playing 13 overs to 17 unders, so we did wind up seeing some interesting results there, and if you're looking at conference play and conference play only, you did wind up seeing Gonzaga 
play nine overs to seven overs in conference play. Santa Clara, Loyola, Marymount, they both played 12 overs to five unders. And it was really a over-conference as you only wound up having two teams, Gonzaga and then also BYU, play more unders than overs in conference. You also did wind up having me point out a team a minute ago that was really good against the spread for you. And that would be the Pilots of Portland. They were one of the most interesting teams in all of college basketball in that this was a squad that was really, really bad a few years ago under Terry Porter. We're going to be diving into that a little bit more in the second segment with our good friend Connor Hope. But, I mean, this is a Portland team that they went 11-5 and against the spread in conference. Santa Clara 12-4-1 against the spread in conference. And you just had that one outlier that wound up jacking up everyone else's record, Pacific. They went 1-11-2 against the spread in conference. That was the worst conference mark in all of college basketball. And I can't remember a team that wound up playing at least 14 conference games only wind up getting one cover like this. I mean, it was just that deplorable for Pacific. They couldn't set the numbers high enough on them because they just kept stinking it up and stinking it up and stinking it up. BYU, they were not too great towards back half of the season as well. They went 6-11 against the spread. Now, they're just a team that they want to cratering towards back half of the season because you'll notice BYU was relatively solid towards the front half of the season. They went 9-7 against the spread out of conference. And sometimes you'll just have it where you wind up having teams go straight down the toilet bowl after a relatively solid start to the season and I mean, for the WCC in general, they did wind up struggling quite a bit out of conference. Your best team was St. Mary's, 10-6 and six against the spread out of conference. Portland also was 9-7 and seven against the spread out of conference. But Pacific, San Francisco, along San Diego, they all covered 37.5% or less of their games out of conference. And Gonzaga, 6-10 against the spread out of conference themselves. Numbers were set a little bit too high, and then a lot of that was within their NCAA tournament run, which was not so stellar as well. So you did wind up seeing the West Coast Conference because you did wind up having a couple of really good teams and then the rest of the WCC not be so great. Wind up getting a little bit overvalued as a result. I know that Connor is going to be talking about that a little bit more in the second segment and if you do take a look at how the conference wound up shaking out, you did wind up getting three teams into the NCAA tournament, which is a little bit rare for the WCC. Gonzaga wound up losing a game, but I mean here's something that we see every single year. Gonzaga winning the conference. They won 13-1 straight up in conference play. St. Mary's, they were number two from there at 12 and 3. At 10 and 5, you had Santa Clara really put together a nice run towards back half of the season. San Francisco, they go 10 and 6 straight up in conference. BYU, they wind up going 9 and 6 in conference. Portland was your surprise. They went 7 and 7 in conference play under, I believe it was four years of Terry Porter. They won seven conference games in his entire tenure. This was a massive leap up for them as nobody expected Portland to be there and credit where credit is due. Shante Leggins is going to get his flowers in the second segment, but you wind up seeing San Diego go 7-9 and nine within the conference. They underwent a little bit of a coaching change. Pacific, they went 3-11 and 11 in conference. Leo Marymount 3-12 and 12. and shocker, Lorenzo Romar didn't wind up getting the job done. Pepperdine, 1-15 in conference, seven and twenty-five against this seven and twenty-five overall. Martian could have coached as well as Lorenzo Romar did last season. It was not necessarily so great. And if you just take a look at the conference as a whole, I mentioned it. You've got your outliers when it comes to both offensive and defensive play because with Gonzaga, they're a team that they really crank up the tempo. We all know what to expect there. St. Mary's are a team that they're going to play relatively slow. You know what to expect 
of them be surprised, and this is just not going to continue this next season. Santa Clara and their efficiency in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis, they were number 44 in all of college basketball. That was relatively impressive to see from them. St. Mary's was a team that hovered right around 75th last season. It's going to be a little bit interesting to see what we wind up getting out of San Francisco this season because they do wind up losing Todd Golden in the offseason, but they were 51st in the country in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis, and they were neither really a blazer, and they weren't necessarily too slow either. Typically, BYU's a little bit more up-tempo as well, and they wound up being a very fascinating team just in terms of the tempo that they wound up playing at because with BYU, you could tell that it wound up becoming Alex Barcel. Really not a whole heck of a lot else in terms of that backcourt. They were 111th in terms of total possessions per game. San Diego was one of the slower teams in all of college basketball as well. They were looking to zig while a lot of other teams were zagging at 251st in the country in terms of possessions per game. Didn't work out. Santa Clara, they were number 55 in terms of total possessions per game. Mentioned it with Gonzaga. Always a team as a relative blazer. They were 11th in the country in terms of total possessions per game, and they were able to do just a terrific job in so many aspects of basketball, so shall be fascinating to see what happens there in Portland. They were a team that, I mean, we're not going to call them the absolute speediest of speedy teams, but still 67th in terms of possessions per game, so you've got a lot of exciting basketball being played in this conference, and not just by Gonzaga as well. We're going to be talking about that with our good friend Connor Ope in the second segment. We're going to be taking a look at all these rosters. We're going to take a look at what's all coming into the conference and what to expect out of these teams a little bit more and do a little bit of a deep dive onto some of these coaches. That is up next right here on Coast Coast Soups with myself, Greg Gibbs Spears, and now part of the Decent Family of Podcast, the WCC Preview Edition. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It is great to be joined by our guest as Connor Hope is doing a great job over there at He Checks CBB. I know that he used to do the Hope and Rolf podcast. They've now rebranded that into the He Checks CBB hangout. They do a great job of just being able to give you some great college basketball insight there. He's going to be doing some great work with sort of the collaboration that we're seeing between He Checks CBB the gentleman over there at the three-man weave at Field of 68 in terms of the Almanac as well. And I know that he's doing a lot of work when it comes to a lot of the West Coast teams in terms of that one. And this is a man that is a graduate of Gonzaga, so he knows a lot about the WCC. He has joined me for the West Coast Conference preview a few times, so always great to have him aboard as it is. Connor Hope, who you're able to follow at Hoops Hope CBB all together. And Connor, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, always a pleasure to come on, talk some WCC hoops, especially since I am not covering the WCC for the Almanac. Nice to get the juices flowing. I'm looking forward at the WCC. Yep, it's going to be a lot of fun, as I know that you're doing a lot more when it comes to Big West as well, which is another great conference out here on the West Coast. But I feel like we wind up asking this every single time we wind up doing the WCC preview. It's not whether or not Gonzaga is going to wind up winning the conference. And if you've got someone else winning the conference, you just let me know. And I am more than happy to pivot. But I feel like in terms of your conference champions, bingo, the free space is always Gonzaga. The question with Gonzaga is, where are they going to be in the national landscape, whether they're going to be one, two, or three, with them going up against North Carolina and Houston for those top three spots with quite a bit returning, including Drew Timmy. They wind up being able to bring back Julian Strother. They pick up Efton Reed in the transfer portal, Malachi Smith. This just looks like a loaded team once again. Absolutely. It's not about whether or not Gonzaga wins the WCC. It's about whether they go undefeated and whether they win the auto bid. I mean, those have been the two questions with a few exceptions here and there for some strong St. Mary's teams for the better part of the last, what, decade and a half, two decades. Looks very strong. Have a handful of kind of breakout potential players, but just a really strong core returning for this team that I think propels them into that, you know, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that they're the most talented or the the favorite to win the national championship, but they're certainly second or third 
Yep, no question about it. It is a case in which I do think that Gonzaga is going to be one of the top teams, but it's all said and done in terms of where I have things right now. I've got Gonzaga number two nationally, and no doubt I've got them number one in terms of the WCC, but another team that is generating a lot of buzz right now, the WCC, a team that finished towards the bottom of the conference last season, that'd be San Diego. It was not a great year for them, but in the offseason, they wind up hiring on Steve Lavin, obviously a big name, and now They've got Jaden Delaire winds coming in. He was a double-figure scorer when he was at Stanford. And, and it's a San Diego team that, in general, they've been able to do a good job of being able to build up some buzz this offseason. They brought in some nice pieces. Many forget that many years ago, I believe it was as a 13th seed, they were able to win a game in the NCAA tournament against UConn. I don't know if they're going to be doing quite that in year number one. But when you wind up having Delaire, when you wind up bringing in something like an Eric Williams Jr., very good place to be able to rebuild. Yeah, I mean, I've been on your show a couple of times over the off season. You started, I feel like, to see my development from Lavin was a pure marketing move to Lavin's actually building something down there. You mentioned Williams and Delaire, but they also bring in uh, Siku Jawara from Weber State, who I think could be a potential starter and, and really be a good three-point shooting option for them. They bring back Jace Townsend, who was a double-digit scorer. Between him and Jawara, they have a really good tandem to play You know the two guard spots. They also have Marcellus Erlington, who didn't get a lot of buzz last year, but he was a 13-point-per-game guy, seven rebounds. Again, another not great, but solid three-point shooter. This San Diego team you know, might not even be a team that I would put in my top four in the WCC, but they're a team I feel like that could certainly play spoiler. Um, and one of those teams that when you're looking at a team that can shoot its way out of a game against a Gonzaga or a St. Mary's, San Diego is one of those rosters that I feel like can do it. Yeah, it's going to be so interesting to take a look at this new look San Diego team. As we know, Steve Lavin in his last year at St. John's wasn't necessarily a three-point oriented team, but the way they have built themselves up, I do think that this is going to be a team that is going to be able to hurt you from the outside. It's going to be on the podcast. We do have Connor Hope does a great job over there at Heat Check CBB. And I do think that it's going to be interesting to take a look at Santa Clara for this upcoming season because with Santa Clara, it is a little bit of a different roster than we wound up seeing last season because last season they were a very, shall we say, high-octane offense, left a little bit of something to be desired on defense, but it was all about Jalen Williams last season. The fact that he put up 18 points, four and a half boards, four assists. He is now out of the fold for the team, so it's a little bit of a passing of the torch for the team. Now, Carlos Stewart actually wound up showing some nice flashes as a freshman. I do like what he was able to bring to the table, but while I do think that San Diego winds up being able to ascend and Carlos Marshall Jr. is going to be able to keep Santa Clara relevant, I do think that this is a team that they wind up taking a step back from this past season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people are going to talk about Jalen Williams until their faces turn blue. Don't forget, Yasa Frankich came into the season, presumed to be the top option for Santa Clara last year, didn't play the full season, only played 25 of, I think, 31 games that they played, but 15 and a half points per game, you know, six rebounds, three assists at the four or five spot. TJ Pipes, another guy they also lose, 12 points per game three assists. So they're losing a very strong core. That doesn't mean that the cupboards are bare though. They've still got Keyshawn Justice who, you know, after last year, I'm comfortable putting him in the conversation for first team all WCC and pretty strongly there. So, you know, he played 34 minutes a game last year, 13 points per game behind 
you know, second leading scorer behind Williams and 42% three point shooter, really good rebounder can play a bit of that point forward role. Very good defender. You know, when you're building around him, you can afford for guys like Parker Brown and Jaden Bediaco, Carlos Marshall, Jordan Williams, Carlos Stewart, some of the other guys to, to maybe not live up to what you're expecting from them and still be a team that can compete in the middle of the WCC. I'd probably put them in the bottom half, but they've certainly got talent at a couple of spots where they might just win enough games to finish in that top five. I just don't think that this team is going to be able to do quite what they were able to last season. I still think that St. Mary's top half of the conference team, and I mean, we see it every single year from Randy Bennett. He pulls a bunch of guys that they did not wind up playing a lot the past season. They stay in the system. They wind up being able to develop, but you wind up losing Matthias Taz, a long time, Ikuzi from last season, your top two scorers. That is going to wind up putting this team behind the eight ball quite a bit. Now they do return Logan Johnson. I think that that's big for them. They bring in Mason Forbes, who's going to be coming in from Harvard, nice six foot nine frame. So could be able to give this team some solid minutes. And Alex Dusas, he's someone that is relatively versatile that I think is going to be solid as well. But you lose your top two scorers from a team that was in the top 25 last season. There are a couple of glue guys as well, like a Dan Fotu, that they have to move on from as well. And I do think that while St. Mary's has done a great job just with regards to the system in general, I still think that this is a team that is going to be very solid out here in the WCC. I just don't think that they're going to have the same success that they wound up having last season. Yeah, I mean, I'd still, because they have Randy Bennett, at the helm, probably put that number two and you're probably pretty safe in the WCC. Logan Johnson can play either guard spot. It'll be interesting to see who Randy Bennett plays at the point guard spot, whether they put the ball in Logan Johnson's hands more now that Tommy Cousy's gone or whether they lean a little bit more on their freshman, Aiden Mahaney, who comes in with a lot of hype behind him. You mentioned Alex Dukas. I think he's that second guy in St. Mary's who can be a first-team all-WCC caliber player, very great shooter, um, and made some really tough shots for them last year. Where they might seem weaker is in the front court. You bring in Mason Forbes from Harvard. You return Kyle Bowen, Mitchell Saxon. Not a trio that jumps off the page at you, but if there's one thing I've learned from Randy Bennett, you know he's going to put his bigs in a good spot to succeed. Right? He's going to lean on that backcourt and that, those wings, but he's going to put his bigs in a spot where they could just be eight to 10 point per game guys. But as long as they're rebounding and contesting shots, that's all Bennett's going to be asking of them. Yep. It is such a great system with St. Mary's. They always play slow. They always play solid defense. This is a team that no question, even though I don't think that they're going to be quite the top 25 team that they were last season. I still think that there is going to be some very solid ball being played down there as you're going to be on the podcast. We do have our good friend Connor Oak does a great job over there at Heat Check CBB. And I take a look at the San Francisco team. They might be the most fascinating team not named Gonzaga in the conference because they do wind up losing Todd Golden in the offseason. They do wind up losing their top scorer, Jabari Poye. But, I mean, ever since Todd Golden left, I think all the moves that have been made by this program have actually been very good. I'm feeling very good about this coaching regime in general. Chris Gerfulson, hopefully I said that correctly. I'm sure that I did not, so I do apologize. But he's done a great job of being able to assemble this roster. They bring in Marcus Williams, who was a little bit of a bust Rooney last season at Texas A&M. But you take a look at what he did at Wyoming two years ago. He was absolutely tremendous. You wind up bringing in Tyrell Ghost Roberts, a former D2 All-American. Tony Rogsach, he winds up coming in from UC San Diego. He's a very good scorer. 
for this team as well. Julian Rishwain, he is going to be coming back for this bunch. And they got Khalil Shabazz to be able to commit for another year after he wound being the number two scorer for this team last season. Now, you saw with Yuan Masalski out of the fold, they wound up struggling when he was out a little bit, and he is not going to be coming back. But I do take a look at the San Francisco team, and I think they have done an absolutely amazing job of being able to piecemeal things together from what is a very tough situation in losing Todd Golden. Yeah, I mean, you lose Bouye, Masalski, Stefanini, and then you can throw Tape in there. That is a very tough group to lose. You lose... Two very good guards in Stefanini and Bouye. Two very good bigs in Masalski and Tape. But, you know, what they bring in to, you know, backfill that, right? You still got Shabazz and Rich Wayne in that backcourt trio. But you bring in Tyrell Roberts out of Washington State. Solid three-point shooter. Doesn't necessarily fill everything that Bouye did. But a very good, if undersized, very experienced guard. Um, along with Marcus Williams. I, I think that backcourt core is going to be pretty good. It's that front court, though, that I think is might even be taking a step forward, even though Masalski's gone, right? Tony Rochak, fantastic for UC San Diego last year. And UC San Diego is very good at putting their players into positions where they can succeed. But so, it, so has, over the last five to 10 years, San Francisco has been very good at putting players in positions where they can succeed. Um, you, you return Josh Kunin, who I, I think can take another step forward this year. Zane Meeks, if he can deliver on the promise he showed when he was a younger player with Nevada, I think Zane Meeks could break out. I think that there is something in Meeks that could just make that statement. But what really intrigues me with this San Francisco roster is that they've got Saba Jijaberia and they return Mark Vetsky. Both of them stand over seven foot. So you're talking about you know, at any point in time, this team could have a seven-footer manning the paint. Jijaberia obviously came from Georgia Tech, so he's practiced in an ACC roster. I love this team. I think if Gerlison can continue and maintain that success that Kyle Smith and Todd Golden had before him, San Francisco, I'd probably put four, but they're a team that could definitely challenge for three or two, given the roster that they have. And when it comes to this team, I do feel like they might need to wind up picking up a little bit of a new identity. And I'm talking about BYU because with BYU, Alex Barcel was, I mean, perhaps the greatest just pure shooter that we've ever seen in the WCC. A guy that in his WCC career shot over 45% from three-point range. He and Tejon Lucas, they are both going to be out of the fold from last season. Seneca Knight, he is now out there in the Missouri Valley Conference. And Caleb Lohner is out of the fold now. They do replace them with a guy in six foot eleven, Noah Waterman, that's able to shoot threes. So that is going to be big for them. Jackson Robinson is going to be coming in from Arkansas. They do wind up bringing it back, guys like Fusani Tran Company. But I do feel like this is a backcourt that is a little bit weak, and I do think that a versatile guy that I really liked. Hopefully, they wind up giving him a couple minutes because he's someone that last year I felt like he had some flashes of brilliance and. This is an interesting name. Atiki Ali Atiki. I think that he could be able to develop a little bit for BYU. I think that there's some good things in the post. Whenever Gideon George was out there, he was able to do a solid job as well. But I do take a look at this BYU backcourt, and that is a big question mark for me. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that, and this might be a little bit of a bold take, I think Rudy Williams is going to do fantastic things for BYU. Comes in from Coastal Carolina, can play the primary point, really likes to distribute the ball, solid rebounder, 
finishes at the rim at a high rate, shoots the three at nearly 45%. He's not Alex Barcelo. No one is. But what I think he can do is I think he can manage the offense, perhaps even a little bit better, given that the ball doesn't have to stick in his hands at all times. Spencer Johnson is a solid three-point shooter that I think they're going to lean on as another. Both of both him and Williams are redshirt seniors. That's probably your starting backcourt. Trevin Nell, another one, is 37, 36% from three, a senior. The backcourt, and you mentioned Jackson Robinson, the backcourt doesn't jump off the paper, but it's very experienced. And it is solid enough that I feel like if they utilize spacing and ball movement to their advantage it could be very good front court you know you've got Gideon George I think Fuseni Traore is going to be one of those players again that breaks out he's probably the best bet on BYU to be an all conference first team type player but you mentioned Atiki you mentioned Noah Waterman Hunter Erickson I think could get some more minutes uh than he had last year you know a very solid kind of group of experienced guys. I say experienced, I also mean old. You know, even their freshmen and sophomores t- tend to be older. So just body types and everything like that, it's it's a tough team to beat. And I feel like they won't get off to the same kind of rough middle of the season that BYU did last year. Yep, I don't think that we're staring at the BYU team that a few years ago, they were contending in the top 25 and going to the NCAA tournament. But to your point, I do think that the post play is relatively solid. And I do agree that Rudy Williams, I think, is going to be able to do a tremendous job. I question the guys around Rudy Williams, but I think that Rudy Williams is going to be in for a very good year. And, well, a man that I have always questioned, whether it be at this current school or back when he was at Washington, that would be Lorenzo Romar as Pepperdine. They wound up winning one game in conference last season. Now, you expected it to be a little bit of a rough run. And I will say, one of the more underrated recruits in the country is Javon Porter. Yes, he comes from that Porter family tree. All those gentlemen that come from the great state of Missouri. As right now, he's got his brother over there on the Denver Nuggets. But Javon Porter, I think, could come in. He could be able to have some relatively solid production right away. I take a look at Hunter Mallett and... As the season wanted going along, he was doing a better job out there in the backcourt as well. So I do think that Pepperdine has a way to go up. I don't think that this is going to be another one-win team out there in the conference. But with that said, I do wind up taking a look at this team. And I do think that this team winds up lacking a little bit of firepower. And on top of that, I think that we're both in agreement. This team was pretty deplorable on defense, ranking 336th in the country in opponent's two-point shooting percentage. Yeah, I mean, Houston Millette is probably my guilty pleasure pick to be a breakout as much as a 13 point per game guy can be a breakout player. He just seems to have that killer instinct and he showed it towards the end of last year. Remember last year was a heavily, heavily, heavily freshman laden roster. You know, you're likely to see four sophomores starting again, this four sophomores now starting this year, Carson Basham, Maxwell Lewis, Mike Mitchell, Houston Millette. If they can take that step, that freshman to sophomore step that you tend to associate with that offseason where you get the full offseason with a D1 roster. I think I think it'll pay dividends. Do I think they're a top half team in the WCC? No. Do I think that their defense is going to take strides like it needs to to be competitive with Romar as head coach? Probably not. But this is a team I think 
is going to put up, especially against the middle of the WCC and the bottom of the WCC, a lot of points, especially from that backcourt trio of Mitchell, Millette, and Lewis. I do think that we're going to see a lot of scoring for Pepperdine. Did my point a little bit earlier, I think that they're going to be giving up a lot of points as well. So for those of you guys (laughs) who are looking for some excitement, it's my scoring games. Pepperdine, that might be right up your alley, especially when they play against Gonzaga. That might be a game which both teams wind up exceeding 75 in Gonzaga. They might be able to get to 100 all by themselves. And this is a school in the WCC that, the last few years, we've been thinking, man, this team might wind up taking some strides forward and you know, come up snake eyes recently. I bet that I mean Loyola Marymount. This team has been a little bit of a disappointment, but I still take a look at the roster and I like the pieces. Kelly Layu Pape is a six foot six good combo player and I think has some upside. They're bringing Michael Graham, a double figure scorer at Elon last season. Cam Shelton was a statue sufferer at Northern Arizona that got better as the season wound up going along. Kawain Marble is someone that's able to shoot the three, but speaking of being able to shoot the three, losing Joe Kitano, who's legitimately one of the best sharpshooters in all of college basketball lines, hurting them. I got an alert that Eli Scott has finally run out of his like 27 years of college eligibility as well. He was at Loyola Marymount for forever. They bring in Justin Aarons from Ohio State. Health, a little bit of a question mark there. And I do take a look at Loyola Marymount. Once again, I think that they've got some solid talent. They just have not been able to put it together to this point under the regime of San Johnson. You need to throw last year away a little bit for Loyola Marymount. Um, Obviously, not to the degree of the year before, but last year they just had a lot of bad luck in terms of health in terms of COVID in terms of scheduling in terms of everything like it it was just tough for Loyola Marymount the year before obviously was the infamous Loyola Marymount finishing I think third in the conference standings and win loss percentage but then getting the fifth or sixth seed in the tournament because of how the WCC was managing their seeding that season specifically because of COVID and the games that were missed I like Loyola Marymount to take a, a pretty sizable step forward especially after finishing ninth last season, Eli Scott, I'm never going to say losing Eli Scott is addition by subtraction because that's just not true. But there were times, especially last year, where the ball sort of stuck in Scott's hands and prevented them from running true offenses around him. Jalen Anderson, I love. I love him as a player. I, I think he can be a very good point guard for them. Work alongside, you know, Demean Douglas and Leia Pepe. You know, it's a pretty solid core they bring in some some pretty good pieces, though. They bring in, You mentioned Justin Aarons. I know health is an issue, but if he can stay healthy, having his experience as a not insignificant contributor to Ohio State, Noah Tates is a not insignificant contributor to Stanford, and then Rick Isanza, who, again, was a very, very, very deep depth piece for Oklahoma, but has experience practicing on a Big 12 roster as a seven foot one center, you know, all three of those guys likely to come off the bench. That gives them a very strong second unit that you don't find a lot of places in the WCC, especially if they can stay healthy. Yep. And health was something that wound up popping out this team as we wound up seeing them completely surge up the standings last season. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Connor Hope of Heatcheck CBB. How about what Portland was able to do? I mean, this was a team that they were in the middle of the conference last season after, I and mean, they just wound up doing absolutely nothing whatsoever under the regime of Terry Porter. I remember being in Portland when Terry Porter was announced that he was getting hired. A lot of people were very, very excited about it, and it wound up just going straight down the toilet bowl. As 
They had one win in conference the previous three seasons combined, and they got seven last year. They got seven times more the conference wins than they had the previous three seasons combined under Terry Porter, which I still think is wild. Terry Porter, by the way, won seven conference games in his entire tenure at Portland. I think the question is whether or not they can duplicate the success, and I take a look at it. They bring back Tyler Robertson. He wound up putting up four and a half assists, six half boards, 15 points per contest. Moses Wood is six foot eight. That's able to shoot threes. They wind up bringing in something like a bouquet of message. He was at Maine. He's a guy that is able to put in there some nice production as well. The team has done an absolutely amazing job of being able to hit the transfer portal. They retain a lot of the pieces from last year, a relatively balanced team. Joey St. Pierre is going to be able to help them out a little bit down low as well. And Alden Applewhite is someone that's a little bit of an upside guy as well coming in from Mississippi State. I absolutely love what Jonte Leggins has done over here at Portland. And while I don't think Portland is going to be necessarily like an NCAA tournament team this season, I don't think last year by any means was a fluke. No, Portland is my pick to be this year's Santa Clara. They don't lose anybody significant. They bring back Mike Meadows. They bring back Robertson and Duca, Wood, Sjoland. Like they bring back their starting core, Jack Perry, a 44% shooter. You mentioned St. Pierre, really, really efficient scorer in the paint is a good ad. You know, Alden Applewhite. I like the transfers when even if they didn't play a ton of minutes at the high major level, you see a lot of these guys who transfer down and granted the SEC where Alden Applewhite played for Mississippi State and the WCC isn't a huge step down as compared to, you know, if he had gone to Bryant the way that Peter Kiss did, but it's a step down enough where I feel like it could open up a lot of space for him to be a little bit better and get a few more minutes. And then they bring in Wyatt Lowell. And again, health plays a huge factor in this, but he was whack freshman of the year, got a, got a lot of love when he went to BYU. Health was not his friend at BYU. Uh, but, you know, after some time at Snow College, you know, I think Wyatt Lowell has the right skill set to be a factor in the WCC. This Portland team can run what, 10 deep, and I wouldn't really blink an eye. They've got talent all over, and they've got an excellent head coach who I think is setting himself up well to be kind of one of those coaches that stays at Portland for two to three years, maybe four, and then jumps to a bigger job. Because Portland's never going to be competing for NCAA tournament appearances. But it is a good place to kind of grind your gears, get the experience, get the notoriety as a head coach. And I think Leggins is doing a perfect job of just that. And I have saved this team for last. And I totally agree with you. I think that Portland in for another good year. I think that Shante Leggins is doing amazing work. But if I'm able to give you any piece of gambling advice here, hopefully you didn't wind up taking Pacific in any game last season. They went 4-22-2 and against the spread. That, as far as I can see, is like the worst cover rate we have seen in college basketball over the last decade. It was a bad situation. Leonard Perry had to wind up picking up the pieces midsummer because David Sotomayor, he wound up getting a job over there with the Boston Celtics. So he wound up having to leave midstream. He sort of had a roster of guys at some of them. It didn't feel like they necessarily wanted to be there. So that wound up hurting them. And now they do wind up having to start over a new Donovan Williams, I think is really going to be able to help this team out. He was a pretty solid player over there at Oklahoma State. Jordan and Ivy Curry is a double-figure scorer coming in from UTSA. No doubt you don't wind up bringing back a ton of guys from last season, but you can tell that 
Obviously, the Oklahoma State ties are very high with this team. They bring in Judson Martindale, who's able to put up some relatively solid numbers at Holy Cross. And I mean, I take a look at the overall transfers, and there's some talent here. I think the big question is the chemistry, just because things last season were so jumbled. And I think that that's still going to be that way this season because there was still a lot of movement this offseason with the team as well. Yeah, I mean, it it was tough. It, It didn't look like Perry was quite able to get his hands on you know, just what type of identity he wanted this team to run with, right? Under Stoudemire, Pacific was just that hard-nosed, try-hard team. Again, last year, they veered a little bit away from, but not terribly far away from kind of everybody plays, that everybody plays mantra that Stoudemire had, where the players that were playing well, the players that were trying the hardest in any given game were the ones that were given the minutes, and it worked out for Stoudemire. And I think that Perry is trying to, to find his coaching mantra as well. I have them finishing last in the WCC. I think when you lose guys like Jeremiah Bailey, Pierre Crockerell, Alfonso Anderson, it's just tough. Like Crockerell wasn't going to light up the scoreboard, but he was one of the better assist guys in the conference last year. But they bring in some solid pieces. They bring in Ivy Curry, Jordan Ivy Curry out of UT uh, San Antonio, Kalen Boone from Oklahoma State, Tyler Beard from Georgetown, Donovan Williams from Oklahoma State. So they have some pretty solid players. I question this team's ability to put it together cohesively on offense, which was a huge issue from them last year. I question this team's ability to shoot consistently from three, which has really always been an issue for Pacific the last couple of years. This isn't a team I feel like is going to get pushed over as a last place team in the way that you traditionally think of last place teams, because it still has some of that flavor in Perry of that Stoudemire era, but none of the players are still there. You're looking at the first real season in which Perry is coaching his team as opposed to a team that's a combination of both, which I feel like just wasn't working for anybody last year. Yeah, but I think that we're in lockstep there. We do have some talent here with Pacific, and I would say in terms of the sheer talent and talent alone, Pacific is far from the worst team in the conference, but being able to have that mesh together, just the whole situation in general surrounding Damon Sotomayor leaving was pretty much midstream last offseason. That winds up putting your program behind the eight ball. But a man that always puts this podcast above the eight ball whenever he joins us, that would be you, Connor. You do absolutely amazing work over there at Heat CBB. I mentioned it before. You're going to be doing some great work with a lot of college basketball previews of your own over there at the Almanac, which I know that you're very hard at work at. We always do appreciate your time because I know that you're doing a lot to get set for this upcoming college basketball season as well. So love the good people at home. Know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, so you can follow me at HoopsHopeCBB on Twitter. You can follow The Hangout, which is, is the podcast that Brian and I do together, which is at The Hangout CBB on Twitter. I write for Heat Check CBB at heatcheckcbb.com as well as Heat Check CBB on Twitter. And then the Almanac, I'm pretty excited about. As far as the Hangout goes, we're, we're starting to get into the swing of things with our conference preview so that those can be found on basically any podcast, audio podcast platform as well as YouTube. Just search the Hangout or the Heat Check Hangout and you should be able to find it. And I'm just excited for this WCC season. It's going to be interesting because I feel like there's a larger gap between Gonzaga and the rest of the field. 
but I feel like the gap between the number two and the number nine team in the WCC is narrower than it's been in a really long time. Yep, and I do think that there have been some good hires made in the WCC as well. We were talking about it with the way that San Diego and San Francisco have been able to do a great job of being able to assemble their rosters. Shante Leggins and all that he's doing at Portland. We alluded on that a little bit as well. I think that it's going to be a great year out there in the WCC. Connor does a great job taking a look at just all things West Coast College basketball and always delivers great information whenever he joins this podcast. A big thanks, Connor, for joining me right here on Coast Coast Soups. Now part of the Visa Family Podcast as it is the WCC preview edition. And coming up next, I do give you my projector or finish for the WCC. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Vegas for Coast to Coast Soups with myself, Greg Eves, and now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. 
Always a pleasure to get Connor Opa board. He does absolutely amazing work over there at Heat Check CBB, and he is going to be hard at work on the Almanac that is being done by a trio of great resources. The Field of 68, the three-man weave along with Heat Check CBB can be 600,000 words. I, mean, I can't say enough about how great of a resource it is. If you wind up buying that and you wind up listening to these conference preview podcasts I'm doing, coupled with the fact that if you're a Visa subscriber and you get Visa All Access, you're going to be getting my write-ups. And what those pretty much are, are my personal notes that I wind up doing for myself for the upcoming college basketball season. Think of it as pretty much these podcasts pretty much in written form. So everything winds up remaining free in terms of picks and everything like that. I will never charge for that. But if you are not a Visa and All Access subscriber, you won't get pretty much all these podcasts in written form. That is something that you do wind up getting for being with Visa, which I always think is a very fair way of being able to go about things. It's not like you wind up being costed anything that's not available, but you get it in a little bit more of a, shall we say, convenient place and just a little bit more organized in general. So you wind up paying for pretty much being able to put it together and being organized. So there is that aspect of it. But Connor, all those gentlemen working on the Almanac, they're doing amazing work. And Connor always delivers the goods on this podcast. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I do give you my projector finish for the WCC once again because I'm doing a conference preview today and I did one yesterday. We're going to do the past 72 hours of college basketball news and notes on the podcast tomorrow. And let's dive in with dead last. And this should not come as much of a surprise. We're going to be going Pepperdine. They wound up going 1-15 within the conference last season. I will say they probably played a little bit better than their record would indicate, but you do take a look at it. This is still a relatively young team. They didn't wind up losing a whole lot flat from last season. They've still got Houston Malott, who was able to give the team 13.5 points per contest, and he was able to come on towards back half of the season. For him, it was a case in which he wound up being just a very inefficient shooter towards the beginning part of the season. You take a look at what he was able to do in more towards the month of February. In the month of February, he shot 42% from three. In January, he was more around a 37% three-point shooter, so he was able to do a little bit more towards the back half of the season. Credit where credit is due on that front. He was a WCC all-freshman. You're going to need to get a little bit more down low on this team as they wound up having one guy in Keith Fisher that wound up giving them more than 5.1 rebounds per game. That is not necessarily too tremendous, and he is now out of the fold. Jan Zedek is someone who's six foot nine. He's got a little bit of versatility, 13.5 points per contest. They do wind up being able to uh, return him, but this is not a team that re- they really added a lot via the transfer portal either, so that winds up hurting them quite a bit. Someone like a Malik Moore is someone that I think they're going to be relying upon. He was a relatively good prospect that winds coming into the school, but I do take a look at it, unless if you wind up getting someone like a Bubakar Kalabi, who winds up coming in from USC as a good frame, but not really someone who had a lot of production. I do think that it's going to be a relatively long season for them. Dead last in my projected finish. I'm going with the Waves of Pepperdine. At number nine, I'm going to be going with Pacific. Now with Pacific, they've done a great job of being able to add some nice pieces via the transfer portal. So I do think that things are going to be looking upward for them a little bit just because last year they wind up having Murphy's Law wind up hitting them. There's just nothing that you could do when you wind up having Damon Sotomayor wind up leaving the program when he did wind up doing so. And they do wind up returning Luke Andolvich, someone who wound up coming in from Northern Arizona a couple years ago, a six foot five gentleman that for his career has always been right around about a 40% three-point shooter. So he does a great job on that front. They do wind up losing Alfonso Anderson along with Jeremiah Bailey. These were the top two scorers from the team last season, but 
Jordan and Ivy Curry. He wound up averaging right around 14 points per contest. A guy that sometimes he winds up shooting a little bit too much. They're going to need a little bit more facilitation because Pierre Cockrell is out of the full, but someone that you're able to build around. Tyler Beard is someone that did not wind up playing a lot last season, but he comes in for Georgetown. Relatively highly touted guy, so that should be able to help out a little bit more with the facilitation. You've got someone in Donovan Williams who winds up coming in from Oklahoma State as well. He really didn't wind up playing a ton last season over there at Oklahoma State, but a relatively highly touted guy, a four-star recruit by ESPN, Rivals. I know that 24-7 sports had him relatively highly rated as well. So he's got a lot of talent. Six foot five, a little bit of a combo player. That should be able to help this team out. Keelan Boone is someone that wound up having some nice production over there at Oklahoma State as well. He's going to be able to add something down low during the 2020-21 season when the team did wind up making the NCAA tournament. He was able to do a relatively solid job as he was able to put up a little bit over four rebounds per game. So I do think that this is a bunch that they've got a little bit of upside. A clean bill of health for Greg Outlaw, who wound up missing right around half the season last year. That'll be able to help them out as well. Pacific needs to find a little bit of identity, but that said, they do wind up bringing in some nice talent via the transfer portal, so I'm willing to buy in on them. Not being dead last in the conference, I've got them number nine in terms of my protector of fish. At number eight, I'm going to be going with the Mount. I'm going to be going with the Loyola Marymount. I do think that, to the point of Connor Ope, it is very true that because you do wind up having Mr. Do at all, wind up having the ball so much in Eli Scott, it did turn into a case in which it just wound up becoming all about him. And now that guys like a Cameron Shelton, Kelly Leu, Pape, and company are going to be able to flourish a little bit more, it's going to be able to help them out. No question. You do wind up losing a lot with Eli Scott. 17 and a half points, six and a half boards, three assists per contest. Guy shot 18% from three last season. Now, I think, honestly, the bigger loss is Joe Quintana. It was one of the best sharpshooters in all of college basketball. Shot 43% for three, 92.5% the free throw line, 13 points, three boards per contest. He was saw, but Kelly Leo Pape is a 6 foot six combo player. Shot 37.5% from distance. He's able to give you five boards, nine points per contest. Domaine Douglas also was limited to 13 games last season. I do think that that was part of the reason why this is a bunch that wanted struggling as well. This is a guy that he does a very solid job of being able to help out this team in general. The team wound up going seven and six when Douglas was in the fold. And without Douglas in the fold, the team wound up winning four games and lost 12. So... That shows you right there just what sort of a impact he winds up having with Loyola Marymount. It's not a team that is necessarily bringing in the world's greatest transfers, but Michael Graham is someone that wanted putting in their double figures while he was at Elon. Justin Aarons is a nice little buy-low guy as he wound up shooting right around 39% from three throughout his career at Ohio State. Problem is, he could just never wind up staying out there on the floor. He could just never wind up finding that set role for him, someone that you could expect to be a relatively solid score here at the WCC level. I don't know if he's quite going to be a replacement for Joe Kitana, but if he's able to stay healthy, he's a guy that can average right around 10 points per contest. I also do think that bringing back, come on, Marble is going to be able to help them out as well as Marble. Last season, he had a disappointing season. He only wanted putting up five points per contest. If he can recapture that form they had at Wyoming, where he was able to give the team right around nine and a half points, four boards, and a steal per game, that is really going to be able to help them out. I do think that there are some solid pieces that this team has added via the transfer portal, including Cameron Shelton for two years ago. Shelton can sort of be that Eli Scott sort of player because at Northern Arizona two years ago, 19 points per contest, shot 35% from three. Big question is, what sort of an identity is this team going to have under St. Johnson? They just have not been able to find their footing. They probably aren't going to be dominant down low, so they're going to need to rely upon three-point shooting, and that relies upon the health of Justin Aaron. So I've got this loyal Marymount team number eight in terms of my projector or finish. 
And number seven, now things wind up getting a little bit more murky, but I'm going to wind up going with Santa Clara. Santa Clara is just gutted from last season. They are going to be able to return someone like a Parker Brown who was able to give the team seven points, five rebounds per contest from three-point range. You can expect a little bit of something out of him. He was able to shoot right around 34% from three-point range, but let's call it what it is. They do wind up losing for last year Jalen Williams, who is Mr. Do-It-All. 18 points, four and a half boards, four assists, 1.2 steals per contest. He shot nearly 40% from three. This is a Santa Clara team that I do think is well-coached. Herb Sendek, it took him a little bit of a while to be able to get things going for this team, but now they've been able to cook with a little bit of gas, so this is going to be able to help them out quite a bit moving forward, but you do wind up losing Josef Varankic as well, and Mr. Varankic was able to give the team 15.5 points per contest. He was able to pour in their 5.5 boards. Keyshawn Justice was very good down low for this team as well, so they do wind up having to replace quite a fit from last season. I believe that P.J. Pipe should be back in the fold after he wound up giving them 12 points per contest. Carlos Stewart is a freshman that you're able to work around right around 5.5 points per contest, and with Stewart, he was able to shoot right around 36% from three. This was a team that really outside of Keyshawn Justice last year, nobody really shot above 39% from three-point range, but nobody really shot below 34% from three. It was just very steady Eddie for this team. So I do like that about Santa Clara, but with Santa Clara, this is not a team that is necessarily bringing in a bunch of five-star recruits. This is not a team that is necessarily brought in a lot by the transfer portal other than Carlos Marshall Jr. They bring in Brayden Pozameski. He is a little bit of an upside guy. He winds up coming in from Illinois. I just don't really expect a lot out of him because I know that there were quite a few people that were high on him a few seasons ago, but he has never really been able to pan out. Carlos Marshall Jr., I do think that he's going to be able to do a relatively solid job with this team, a double-figure score at Tennessee State, a guy that at six foot six is able to bury some threes. Has always had a couple free throw shooting woes, but with that said, I do think that Santa Clara, they're going to wind up taking a little bit of a setback from last season just because they do wind up losing the heart and soul of the team from last season. So I've got them number seven in terms of my projector or finish. And number six, I'm going to be going with Santiago as you've got Steve Lavenu. I just am a little bit put off by the fact that he did wind up canning a lot of the gentlemen that were holdovers from the old regime that helped him get the roster and get a lot of the scheduling done that they did. But you do take a look at this roster and there is a lot to be able to build around. They do wind up losing a few big pieces from last season, but they do wind up being able to retain Jace Townsend. And then they wind up adding in there a pair of double-figure scores from the Pac-12 from last season as you wound up having Townsend last year be able to give you right around 11.5 points per contest. From three-point range, he shot in the neighborhood about 37%. Marcellus Erlington is just a sad sheet suffer. 13 points, 6.5 boards, shot right around 34% from three-point range. Now, last season, Terrell Brown was really the guy that was able to do it down low for this team. He is now out of the fold, but when you wind up bringing in a pair of guys that they wind up having the production that they do at the Pac-12 level, that is absolutely massive as they bring in Jaden Delaire, someone who's able to give you right around 10 points per contest two seasons ago. That is absolutely massive for them. I know I was talking up quite a bit Eric Williams Jr. as well. He had a little bit of a downer last season as he was only averaging right around 8.5 points per contest, but a little bit of a 6 6 combo player. Had a relatively solid career while he was at Duquesne, and I do think that he's going to be able to come in and he's going to be able to do some very good things for the scene, but a guy that was mentioned by Connor Oak and a guy that I really like, that'd be Weber State transfer Siko Sishu Jawara. 
Last year, he wound up averaging right around 12 points per contest. He's familiar with the conference because he actually began his career at the Mount with Loyola Marymount. Last season, shot 42.5% from three-point range, chipped in there, 1.2 steals per contest, six foot three, relatively good size for a guard, two-time All-Big Sky performer. That is big, and don't sleep on Nick Lynch, who comes in from the Patriot League. This guy stands six foot eleven. He's capable of being able to bury some threes as he took about two threes for contest and he shot 45.9% from three-point range, nine and a half points. Four and a half boards. You could use a little bit more rebounding out of them because they are going to be without many of their post pieces from last season. But this is a San Diego team that they've got some upside. Going to take a little bit of time for them to gel. Steve Levin has not been on the sidelines in quite a while, so probably going to take him a little bit to be able to get down exactly what college basketball in the 2022-23 season is like. But that said, you've got some talent on this roster. I do think that San Diego going to be a team that contends for 20-plus wins. So I do have San Diego in my projector or finish here at number six. At number five, I'm going to be going with BYU. With BYU, I think that losing Alex Barcel along Tejon Lucas is just absolutely massive. These two guys want to combine for 27 points per contest. Barcelo is at BYU. He shot right around 45% from three-point range. Now, they bring back Fusani Trayer. Eight and a half rebounds per game. That is big. Caleb Lohner winds up going to the Big 12 after he was a relatively versatile guy with seven points, six and a half rebounds per game. I do like Gideon George. The fact that he's able to give you eight points, five boards. He's a little bit of a capable three-point shooter as well. He was able to bury right in the neighborhood about 35% of his threes. And to the point that Connor Ope wanted to bring up Rudy Williams coming into this program. That is absolutely massive for this team as Rudy Williams last season for Coastal Carolina as he actually began his career at Kansas State. He was able to do a good job pumping in there 14 and a half points per game, 3.2 assists, four and a half rebounds, shot 44.7% from three point range. So you certainly do have quite a bit of something to work on. And with regards to this BYU team, this is a bunch that they just do a great job of being able to bring in these guys that are out of sight, out of mind. I don't know if they've got any guys that were on mission trips, but you always find it where there's like one guy that's been away from the country for like three years. He comes in and all of a sudden he's lighting it up with double figures. I don't know how that winds up working, but they always do a great job there. And then Noah Waterman is going to be one of the most stretchable players in the conference as last season when he was at Detroit. He wanted to give the team eight points per contest, shot 37.5% from three at six foot 11 and two seasons ago. I believe that he led all college basketball players that qualified in three-point shooting percentage, 52.8% from three, 12 points per contest. This is a guy that at six foot 11 is going to be able to lend some very good versatility. Now, I do have my question marks when it comes to Jackson Robinson. He winds up coming in from Arkansas, a former top owner recruit that was also at Texas A&M. Really couldn't find his footing at either school. Wound up averaging right around three and a half points per contest, shot 32 and a half percent from three. He's six foot seven. A little bit of an awkward combo player. So I do have my questions with BYU on that front. I do think that Rudy Williams going to do a solid job at the point guard spot. Nandi, one transfer, trade in Christensen, should be able to lend a little bit as well. But I take a look at the rest of this conference, and I do think that it's going to be a pair to get any higher for this BYU team that just losing that guy that is able to put the ball in the basket that you know is going to be there in Alex Barcel, that stuff. So I do have them number five in my projector finish. I've got Portland at number four in my projector or finish. With Portland, they return darn near everyone, including a guy that I just love in Moses Wood. Moses Wood, 14 points per contest. Shot 44.2% from three. He's right around a six foot seven, six foot eight combo player. Was able to put in there six rebounds per game. Tyler Robertson is back. 
15 points, 6.3 rebounds, 4.5 assists, 1.3 seals, shot 35.5% from three-point range. That's massive. Michael Meadows, who ought to give the team 10 points and 3 assists per game. He's back in the fold as well. Portland has done a great job of being able to stack talent. Many of these guys came over from Eastern Washington, where Shante Leggins was. They were in the NCAA tournament a few seasons ago, and they have just been able to take off from here. Vukasa Masic is someone that winds coming in from Maine. He, last season, was able to do a relatively solid job for a Maine team that, let's call it what it is, they were pretty deplorable, but and with that said, with Masic, he wound up beginning his career at Hofstra last season. He wound up putting in nine and a half points, right around four boards, three assists per contest. You can tell that Portland just absolutely love these guys. That They don't necessarily do one thing great, but they do like five things relatively solidly. And for Masic, if you take a look at his final 13 games of the season last year, he was putting in there more around 11 and a half points per contest, shooting 37% from three-point range as a six foot five, a little bit of a combo player. Joey St. Pierre is going to be able to help out Portland with something that they lacked last season. Low post play, he was able to get a little bit over a block and right around five and a half to six rebounds per game. While he was at UW-Milwaukee last season. So I do take a look at this bunch in Portland, bringing back darn near everyone, having a really good backcourt and being a team that, they wound up pulling out close games because they made their free throws. They were in the top 10 in the country in free throw shooting percentage, 79.1%. Anyone that you wind up following on the floor because they've got so many interchangeable parts, they're able to bury them. Each other top four scorers shot at least 76.6% from the charity stripe last season. I like this team. Portland, number four in my projector or finish. And number three, I'm going to be going with St. Mary's. I do think that for St. Mary's, it is relatively brutal the fact that you wind up losing your top two scorers from last season. And Matthias Toss, along with Tommy Cousy. Now they do wind up bringing back Alex Dusas, who I like. He was able to give the team right around 10.5 points per contest. Shot nearly 39% from three-point range. And this was a very efficient offense that we wanted seeing last season from this bunch as well as Logan Johnson towards the back half of the season. In conference play, you want to give the team 12 points, 2.3 steals per contest in WCC play. Four boards. He only wound up shooting right around 30 and a half or so percent from three-point range, but certainly he was able to do a very good job for this team. Now, with St. Mary's, this is not a team that they really wind up scouring the transfer portal or anything like that. This is not a team that they wind up bringing in any blue-chip prospects. They've brought in a few gentlemen internationally because St. Mary's always has that pipeline in which they bring in gentlemen from Australia. Harry Weasels is going to be that guy. He comes in from Australia. He's seven foot one, 255 pounds. Got to figure that right from the get-go, he is going to be seeing some minutes for the team, but I absolutely love the gentleman with the mustache and Kyle Bowen. He is right around six foot eight, and last season, he was able to do a very nice job for the team. Not a guy that's going to go out there and is necessarily going to score a bunch of points as he averaged five and a half points per contest, but chipped in their 5.5 rebounds. He was able to shoot right around 39.5% from three-point range. If you're able to get out there, Matt Van Komen as well. He is seven foot four, wound up beginning his career at Utah. So any production that you could get whatsoever out of him as he's back in fold after he redshirted last season. That's going to be big. Mason Forbes is someone that winds up coming in from Harvard. While he was at Harvard last season, he really did not wind up being able to do a whole lot of flat because he was injured. He only was limited to 11 games that season, but someone that is going to be able to contribute down low for the team. I just think that losing so many of their backcourt pieces, that is going to be hurting the team, even with guys like Dusas and company stepping into bigger roles. And I could see someone like a Chris Howell really being able to play a little bit of bigger role in this backcourt. Augustus Marcel Lunas is someone that wanted coming in from Lithuania. He's a very good ball hawk as well. So I do think that there's quite a bit of talent when it comes to this team. But with that said, I do think that because they do have a lot of moving parts in this backcourt, it is going to wind up costing them a little bit. So 
in my projector finish at number three, I do have St. Mary's. At number two, I'm going to be going with San Francisco. You would expect San Francisco to be a little bit lower because you wind up losing Todd Golden. You wind up losing your top scorer from last season as well. But the way that San Francisco has been able to piecemeal things together here in the transfer portal has been nothing short of terrific. They wind up being able to bring back Khalil Shabazz, who was scouring and wondering whether or not he was going to be transferring or not. He had 13 points, 2 assists, 3 boards, 1.8 steals per contest. He returns to the fold, and then you add in with Tyrell Ghost Roberts, who last season when he was with Washington State was one of the best free throw shooters in all of college basketball, and on top of that, a guy that was a D2 All-American the last time he was playing in the state of California for UC San Diego before they wound up stepping up to the D1 level. Saba Gibadera, he is someone that winds up coming in from Georgia Tech. He's seven foot one. He should be able to bring a little bit of size. And then Tony Adelokach, how about this gentleman? He was absolutely tremendous last season while he was over there at, once again, his former teammate school in Tyro Roberts, UC San Diego. This guy wanted being able to pump in there, 15 points, 6 half rebounds. Not a guy that's going to go out there and shoot threes or anything like that, but very efficient in the post. A guy that's able to pass with two assists per contest. He's able to give you a steal per game. He's able to guard multiple positions. This guy, I think, is really going to be able to break out in this conference. And then Marcus Williams is one of the guys that you want to be taking note of in the transfer portal because this guy last season at Texas A&M, he wanted stepping away due to some personal issues. You can tell that it wasn't the greatest fit for him. If he's able to get back to what he was able to do during the 2020-21 season, he was all Mountain West freshman of the year with 14.8 points, nearly a seal and a half, 4.3 assists per contest, shot right around 33% from three. You've really got something here with the San Francisco team. And then on top of that, you still have quite a few of the players from last year, like Julian Rishwain back in the fold. Isaiah Hawthorne is someone that I look to to perhaps be able to break out as well as he wound up only being able to play in seven games last season, so that wound up hurting them. But I do think that if he winds up being able to get some minutes, he's got some upside. Josh Coonan is someone that is six foot eight. He's able to pop a couple threes. Zane Meeks has good versatility as well. You're able to just go down the list. This is a very good team. And Vladimir Markovsky, he is back. He is seven foot two. He should be able to do a good job in the post as well. So even though you do wind up losing someone that was just so critical to, for this team, and you can tell that whenever he was not out there in the fold, and Yuan Masalski that I think that they're going to be able to do a good job of being able to fill in the post, and I do think that this is still going to be a San Francisco team that is going to be contending for an NCAA tournament bid when it's all said and done. San Francisco has been able to do a good job of being able to pass the torch down because you may recall there are a lot of people that were wondering, oh, how in the heck is this Todd Golden guy going to be able to replace such a great coach that we wound up seeing in Kyle Smith? Well, he did so pretty well. So number two, my projector finish, I'm going to be going with San Francisco. And number one, I mean, can it be anyone else? It's going to be Gonzaga. You bring back Drew Tibby. Drew Tibby, 18 and a half points, seven boards per contest. And I mean, there are a lot of people that were saying that Drew Timmy is a little bit soft. I was sort of questioning him towards the beginning of the NCAA tournament. He really showed out in that Memphis game. You wind up bringing back Julian Strother. Strother is able to give you right around 12 points per contest. This guy is going to be absolutely tremendous. They've done a great job of being able to bring in a great freshman class. And now they bring in a seven-footer in Efton Reed that's able to pop some threes for the team. You've got the ultimate Swiss Army knife as well as you wind up getting from Chattanooga, a team that wanted making the NCAA tournament, Malachi Smith. 
and Malachi Smith did. It all is. He wanted being able to register right around three and a half assists. He pulled in their six plus rebounds. He was averaging 20 points per game. He's able to pop threes. That's absolutely tremendous. Nolan Hickman, I think, is going to be able to take a step forward for the team. Anton Watson, he was able to do a very solid job last year. You got to figure that he's going to have a little bit of a bigger role as well, but he does a great job of being able to go after steals as well as last season. He was a little bit more of a sixth man for the team with right around seven and a half points per contest. He's going to take on a little bit more of a primary role, and I think that he's going to be able to do a tremendous job with that. Hunter Salas is still a guy with a whole bunch of talent as well. I mean, you're able to go down the list. I even think that Caden Perry, if they need to throw him out there, he's going to be able to give you some good minutes. This is a team that is just completely blocked and loaded, and they bring back Rajir Bolton for seemingly his 57th year of college basketball after he was one of the best three-point shooting threats in all of college basketball, making 46% of his threes. The only question is, where is Gonzaga going to be nationally? I think that they're just a half a step back of UNC right now. I've got Gonzaga number two nationally, and obviously, in my projector of finish, they are number one in the WCC, and that will wrap things up for the WCC Preview Edition right here on Coast to Coast Soups with myself, Greg Gibbs, and now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. A big thanks to Connor Ope of HXCBB for joining me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever you podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNN underscore 81. Keep in mind, letter CM. They mean does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way, it is find an Apple Podcast review. If you're in this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day on this podcast during the offseason news and notes of college basketball, along with conference previews. And then once we get in season, picks and analysis on every single game, every single day. So I will be coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.